What's up, everybody? This is the Booch, and this shout out goes to all of the members of the Booch Cast Nation. On behalf of the entire team and all of my affiliates, I would like to take this opportunity to thank you guys so much from the bottom of our hearts for your continued support of the Boochcast. Whether it's wrestling recaps, interviews, politics, variety shows, movie reviews, whatever episodes we come out with, you guys listen, you guys tune in, and you show your support. And it means the world to us. And we're going to commence with this latest episode in just a moment. But I want to take this opportunity right now to let you guys know something really huge that is going on in the world of the booch. I am now officially on Cameo. That's right. The Cameo. The same Cameo where celebrities go and give personal shout-out videos for all their fans. And I'm here to let you guys know that for the affordable price of just $25 you can get a personalized video from me on cameo and it can be for any occasion that you want you got somebody you want me to wish a happy birthday I'll make it happen you want me to congratulate someone on graduating high school or college I'll make it happen whether it's a happy holidays video it can be a gender reveal it can be somebody who needs some motivation you want the boots to motivate you or if you got somebody in your life that you want to break up with I'll help make the breakup happen or if you got somebody in your life that you want to tell to fuck off and you want it done booch style all you got to do is go to cameo.com slash booch 365 there'll be a link in the description box of every episode of the booch cast from now till the end of time go there book your video customize it however you want let me know how you want it done and i will make it happen for you so go to cameo.com slash booch365 right now and book your personalized video today for the affordable price of $25. And now, on with the show.
What's up, everybody? This is Vinny Bucci, a.k.a. The Booch, and welcome to The Booch Cast. Ladies and gentlemen, we are back with an NFL Weekend Review. I know it's been a while, but uh, our schedules have been hectic, but I've finally been able to bring the man that knows all about the NFL back to the show. Ladies and gentlemen, he's a good friend of mine. Always a pleasure to have him on. The one, the only, the NFL exporter, Mr. Lance Goodman. Lance, welcome back, brother. Man, thank you so much, Vinny. Happy New Year to yourself and to all your great fans out there. And uh, like you said, it's been a moment, but I think the timing is right. We are down to the uh, last and best two teams in the NFL. So I know everybody is going to start getting excited as we, uh, a week from the day, we'll be having the, uh, the big game between the Niners and the Chiefs to decide it all. Yeah, absolutely. And from what I've been reading and from all the chatter on social media, everybody is excited for Super Bowl 58 for the Kansas City Chiefs to take on the San Francisco 49ers. And obviously we have a lot of ground to cover on the show today. But real quick, I just want to ask you, what do you think fans can expect when they watch the Super Bowl this Sunday? Well, number one, a great game. These two teams actually played. Ooh, I don't want to be quoted wrong, but they've played each other in the Super Bowl within the last five years. This was actually Kansas City's first Super Bowl with Patrick Mahomes at quarterback. We got a different cast of characters, if I'm not mistaken. There are less than 15 players. It might be 10, but there are not a lot of players who played in that game, who are still on those teams respectively. And this price price is probably about 15 because I know if nothing else for Kansas City, Travis Kelsey, Patrick Mahomes, Chris Jones, for the 49ers for sure, George Kittle, Fred Warner, Nick Bosa. So yeah, it may be uh, less than 10 guys, but I think we're going to get a great game, an exciting game. Um, these Super Bowls, it's rare that you get you know a blowout or a team winning by a huge margin. And I think these teams are very evenly matched. And so I think a great game is the biggest thing that we can, you know, be looking forward to. Absolutely. And uh, speaking of great games, I know this has definitely been one crazy uh, NFL football season. And I know the last time you were here, uh, we were talking about weeks one through seven in this season. So I'm just curious, since that time, since the last time you were here, have there been any crazy moments or major things that stood out to you from uh, week eight up until now? Yeah, you know, I don't know about crazy. You know, I'll just, uh, man, like you said, it's been quite some time. So I'll just, you know, bring up the things that I, I think outside to myself that were most uh, intriguing or trending uh, topic heavy and, you know, get your thoughts, you know, as well. So just using the, the bulk of the season. So I think there's two things going on when you look at the AFC and NFC championship games. So those are the games that took place uh, most recently that decided what two teams were going to the Super Bowl. Baltimore Ravens fans, a lot of media, myself included, just were disappointed in the effort the Baltimore Ravens in particularly on offense had. It's unfortunate when teams come out of character. And so, you know, when Kansas City played Baltimore, I think we all understood that, you know, once the playoffs start and you get into a situation where it's, you know, you just have to be the better team for that day. So even though the consensus was for Baltimore to win that game, I think anybody who's really into football understood it was going to be a close game either way that, you know, Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs, until somebody knocks them off, were the defending champions. They had tons of experience. I mean, this was the Chiefs' fifth or sixth uh, consecutive AFC championship game. So 
just have a winning pedigree on that team. Uh, Kansas City came out, really had a great script of plays. Maybe about the first 30 plays, they really caught the Ravens defense off guard, but also we got a chance to see the greatness of Patrick Mahomes. And uh, that guy is just a proven winner. And somebody, that's what I mean, that when you get into a one-win scenario type situation, a lot of times the best players play their best football. And so the Chiefs came out very quickly, got ahead of the Ravens, and the disappointment that came from Baltimore was number one. Baltimore was the number one leading rushing team in the NFL this year, Vinny, up above 150 rushing yards per contest. When you looked at the Kansas City Chiefs defense, they've had a top five to 10 defense all year, but if they're vulnerable anywhere, it's against the run. And when the game was all said and done, a game that, you know, Baltimore really still had ample opportunities to win that game in the second half. When you looked at the box score after the game was over, everyone is scratching their heads saying, how is it that the Baltimore Ravens running backs, not Lamar Jackson, how is it that the Ravens running backs only had six to nine carries? You know, what What happened? Why did you come away from your bread and butter? You know, what is it that happened that the identity of what your offense is, what is it that made you change your game plan, especially considering you were never down by more than 10 points? And so there was just a major disappointment. And, you know, it's really at this point, I don't want to say an indictment on Lamar Jackson, because I'll be honest with you, Vinny, for all the top quarterbacks in the NFL, the narrative is always going to be the same. We can put Josh Adams of the Buffalo Bills in that category. We can put Dak Prescott of the Dallas Cowboys in that category. These are guys who put up big stats during the season. Their teams are in the playoff constantly, but like Lamar Jackson, they have not been able to get over the hump and win the big game. And so from that Baltimore-Kansas City game, outside of self-inflicted wounds, uh, you had the big play where wide receiver Zay Flowers attempted to lunge into the end zone and was stripped right before crossing the goal line, which took a big touchdown away. They really could have changed the momentum of that game if he would have scored the score would have been 17 to 14 in favor of Kansas City and then still maybe about seven minutes left in the ball game Lamar Jackson inexplicably threw into triple coverage when Baltimore was on Kansas City's 20 yard line threatening again for a big interception that really sealed their fate so from what I seen Vinny um, when you're a fan and I know Baltimore as a team especially when you go back and watch film and then you look at the box score you know for those who don't know you know basically the stats you know when you go to the box score allows you to see individual player statistics, but also all of the different facets of the game. So time of possession, penalties, turnovers, so on and so forth. And so that was just a huge disappointing loss for Baltimore. It's not that you lost to Kansas City, but it's how you lost to Kansas City. And uh, again, for Lamar Jackson, he's a guy who we all know. I believe he's expected to win the second MVP award this year. He's won his division multiple times. At this year, he's got his team in the AFC Championship championship game but he right now is going to continue at this point to be maligned and like I said I don't want people to get so fixated on him because you have Josh Allen of the Buffalo Bills who I'll speak on here shortly Dak Prescott as well uh, those guys are in those same shoes Vinny we know that they can put up the stats during the season we know their teams can make the playoffs but these guys continue to come up short when it comes to winning the big games Absolutely. And you go back to that game. It was true. Like when I was watching it, the best way I could sum it up was I felt like I was watching like, I'll put it in wrestling terms. It was like a tag team matchup, Jackson and Flowers versus Mahomes and Kelsey. 
because they were the guys who stood out the most to me at game. Kelsey scoring a touchdown, or it was Flowers scoring a touchdown, and Holmes and Jackson pretty much doing very well in that. And you were right, that fumble at the goal line pretty much did change the game. And then I also noticed two things, and they cut into something that I wanted to talk about from the overall season. At one point, Flowers had this amazing catch, and then he got hit with this taunting penalty, and I had to rewind the video five or six times to find out which taunting penalty they were even talking about because I didn't even notice it. I think it's one of those things where if you blinked, you missed it kind of thing. And I personally have never really had an issue with taunting penalties because I'm a firm believer of it's the pros, let them show off. But it also ties in something that I noticed throughout the season, which was insane penalties being called. Like, because I'll be honest, I'm a casual fan when it comes to football. So I'm familiar with like the basic penalties, you know, holding, offsides, pass interference, you know, unnecessary roughness, things like that. But there were all these other penalties that were coming up for things I'd never even heard of. Like, one was intentional grounding, the other was horse collar tackle, another was illegal touching, and the one after that was blocking the back. And I personally have never heard of these, so for casual fans like me that have no idea what those penalties mean, can you maybe explain what those penalties are and why they're enforced on the field? Sure. So to start with intentional grounding, that rule, uh, and it's a good rule, is basically in place to where uh, what usually happens is the quarterback is under immediate or unexpected pressure and he just throws the ball away and so the rule is in order to do that number one the quarterback or what would make it legal so if the quarterback is in the pot meaning if he is standing between both of the tackles so the tackles are the two offensive linemen who are on at the end of the left and right side so let's say that pressure or a couple of defensive guys are quickly converging upon a quarterback you cannot just throw the ball away you have to one be outside of the pocket number two the ball has to go across the line of scrimmage number three and most importantly the ball has to be in the general vicinity of an offensive play uh who is eligible to catch the football which means somebody besides your offensive line so that is a good rule in place because like any other rules that are made once upon a time it wasn't a rule but fair enough uh you can't just throw the ball away anywhere and get away with it so in order to avoid that penalty or what would not have that penalty be called because what happens sometimes is you'll see them maybe throw the flag for that then they go back and review the play so the things that would cause let's say uh, an intentional grounding penalty is called the reasons that you may see a ref overturn it is number one the quarterback was outside of the pocket meaning he was either to his left or to his right he was basically outside of his tackles number two they take a look and see that the ball actually crossed the line of scrimmage because what happens a lot of these plays sometimes when a quarterback is under pressure he'll start to run backwards and so he'll throw the football away and it may be out of bounds but the ball did not cross the line of scrimmage and then number three and i think the most important one is that there's a receiver in the area so, you know, that intentional grounding is in place to basically not allow a quarterback to, in essence, throw the football into the stands or there's no receiver around. Basically, we're not just going to give you an alibi to just throw the football away. It has to be in a general vicinity of a receiver. It has to cross the line of scrimmage and you have to be outside the pocket. Now, the pocket part is only relevant when it comes to if the ball was thrown out of bounds or not near a receiver. So that play is basically just saying to quarterbacks, it's a rule that I think is fair enough that, hey, you know, you can't just throw the football anywhere 
there on the football field and get away with it. Um, the horse collar tackle, which is can be very tricky because it's about the defender's hand uh, where it's located on the player. This was a rule that was definitely mandatory put in place. So the whole thing about the horse collar is when an offensive player or if a defensive player, for whatever reason, you know, off an interception or fumble, but let's just say a player, most commonly an offensive player. If he's running, you can't put your hand inside of the back of his jersey area. Now, you can grab him by the jersey and bring him down. You can grab him by his shoulder pads and bring him down. But you can't put your hand inside the back of his shoulder pads and basically drag or pull him down backwards because that was put in play to prevent a lot of injuries. You know, that's one of the uh, easiest ways for someone to get seriously injured if they're running and then somebody grabs inside the back of their shoulder pads and yanks them down backwards to the point to where maybe that offensive guy uh, is not able to get his legs from underneath him correctly. And now all of a sudden his body is kind of getting bent backwards. So that's definitely a legitimate rule. The only issue that comes into play with that sometimes, and I feel at this point with the technology, the majority of games, if not all of them that I watch, there is a designated rules analyst that, you know, they have now during these games to help explain, you know, some of these rules, how you're asking, and maybe people may not understand. And then also New York is involved. So that is where the rules headquarters are. They're watching all the games. They aid and help a lot in making the right calls on plays that are reviewable or there's a challenge. So the only issue that comes up from time to time is sometimes a player may get grabbed from behind, but the defensive guy's hands are not actually inside of the guy's shoulder pads. Again, he may just grab the back of his jersey, or we've even seen sometimes that the guy is grabbing on his shoulder pads and bringing them down. And unfortunately, the rest will call that sometimes and not get it right, which to me at this point is completely unacceptable. If you have the ability to have New York involved, you have one of the top guys analyzing the game, and you have the referees and you had a review, to me, there's just no sense right now that you really should be getting any calls wrong in the NFL, and you hear from far too many fans being unhappy about these calls because of the technology and the things that we have. The uh, next one you asked about the illegal use of hands, there are a couple different ways that that can be used. That one is most commonly associated with offense and defense alignment. So what will happen is when a offense or defense alignment goes to block offensively or defensively rush in, their hands will inadvertently end up on the opposing player's face mask. So that is illegal touching or illegal grabbing. And then also when it comes to the rules that they have for defensive players in the secondary for the offensive guys, sometimes you hear them call pass interference, but other times you hear them call illegal touching, which means you can't touch a receiver running out for a pattern after five yards. So those I usually hear that call. Now the illegal touching for like if a wide receiver or a tight end is running out for a route or pattern, if you touch them after five yards, it's just a five-yard penalty, but it's more of a harsher one for the lineman because, like I said, you've seen it before, and it just happens. You know, it's not anything on purpose. I mean, offense and defense alignment use their hands for leverage, for blocking, for throwing guys out the way, so they use their hands far more than anybody, and sometimes their hands will end up on the opposing guy's face mask, especially if you see, you know, when they're pushing, and if it ends up on the face mask, you'll see the guy's helmet actually kind of come halfway off. 
the fourth one, Vinny, I forgot which one you asked me about. Uh, it was called blocking the back, which I've never heard of that. Yeah, so I believe we're talking about clipping. And to me, the, the one that I see most commonly is on a punt return, kickoff return, fumble return, interception return, or if somebody's breaking a long play, somebody will, and there's really no purpose for it, uh, but somebody will come along and basically push a player in his back. So, you know, clipping is the normal term for that, which is, you know, if you're an offensive player, you can't block somebody in the back. But I usually see that blocking in the back penalty call most often when, like I said, let's just say, for example, somebody breaks a kickoff return and they're on their way, taking it to the house. And so one of their offensive guys, uh, unfortunately, will push another player in the back. And it's like, it's not even necessary because the guy is kind of already clear in the open, but it just seems like a bad habit that a lot of players have. And what drives me crazy about this, Vinny, I'm telling you, if I was a coach of a team, I even see this in basketball. I know it's such a natural habit to do it. It's a reaction. But to me, you're really drawing attention to yourself. And that is, Anytime that a player does something that's borderline, so let's say they pass interfere with somebody, they illegally touch somebody, they block somebody on the side instead of the back. But whenever they do whatever they do, they automatically raise their hands up in the air. And it's like, you're just content. You know, you, you don't even know if the referee was seen it or was going to call it. But when you raise both of your hands in the air, to, you're basically calling yourself, showing that you're innocent. Uh, to me, you're drawing attention to yourself and you're causing the referee to throw the penalty or look into it a, a little bit more. So if I was a coach, I would be telling my players all the time, just play the game. Do not raise your hands up in the air and start looking around and you know trying to draw a scene to show that you didn't do anything because it's one of those things where it's kind of like you know you're almost admitting to your guilt you know you know so to speak yeah i'm definitely familiar with that you know don't draw attention to yourself i mean obviously i never played football but i know on the wrestling team our coach would always tell us that you know just wrestle your match focus on that don't worry about anything else um if something does come up uh don't draw attention to it and if the referee says something uh keep your cool don't lose your mind don't yell at the referee don't question the referee let the coach handle it the coach would always say i'll question the referee if there's controversy i'll handle it let me do it just blend in and wrestle your match do your job absolutely 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 now in the other championship game which was the 49ers versus the lions that was an excellent game the lions which are a team that people really need to look out for i know it's been <laughs> i don't know the last time that we've been able to put look out for the lions the detroit lions i don't know that's the, the last time that that's been a thing but it's a real thing they have a very excellent team they have an excellent coach they took the 49ers to the brink the big things that came out of that game were quarterback Brock Purdy of the San Francisco 49ers who's the 49ers were at Philadelphia uh Brock Purdy got injured early in that game and uh, Philadelphia was able to pull away and win by a very convincing margin by the time it was all said and done to advance to the Super Bowl so for the 49ers this was a revenge opportunity for them to make up for last year's defeat and Brock Purdy depending on which media did you listen to seen as a guy who basically let's face it okay and this is what I'm talking about Brock Purdy if the 49ers don't 
going to win this game. He's going to be lumped right in with Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson and Dak Prescott about, okay, we know he's a good player, but is he good enough to lead a team to a championship? And so I think the two playoff games for Francisco, if we're going to be real about it, put to bed a lot of the talk and chatter you were hearing about Brock Purdy, which were fair questions which was the 49ers have such a good team, like any good team. So in most of their games, they're winning or the game is very close. The narrative around Brock Purdy was, well, you know, what's this guy made out of if the 49ers are behind? We know that Brock Purdy can play well when they're winning. We know that Brock Purdy can play well when everything is going good. But what can Brock Purdy do when the chips are down or when San Francisco is losing. I mean, I think if you think about why Patrick Mahomes is such a great quarterback, if you think about why Tom Brady is labeled the GOAT, it is because of the comebacks that they had. It is because, you know, when games were on the line and their team needed a field goal or a touchdown or, you know, Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs were down in one of their playoff games over the last couple of years, you know, 21 points at home. We know we've had to see Tom Brady on endless occasions, you know, put up 10 points or figure out a way for his team to win. So that was the narrative around Brock Purdy and against Green Bay. He led the game winning drive to give the 49ers the win where he had some key throws and used his scrambling ability to make key plays. And definitely against Detroit, I mean, at halftime, the 49ers were down 24 to 7. So, you know, you're down 17 points at halftime, and Brock Purdy was definitely instrumental in helping the 49ers erase that 24 to 7 victory and go on and make the Super Bowl. And so if you're a Detroit Lion fan, this has got to be the most excited that you've been around your team forever. I would imagine for, you know, their franchise, this was excellent for them because that place will be sold out next year. I'm pretty sure that jersey sales, you know, ticket sales, it had to do a lot of good things for their franchise. And like I said, they have a lot of talented players that are young, that are going to be around for a very long time. And I love their head coach Dan Campbell. I knew Vinny once he arrived to Detroit, I believe his third year, when he came there in his first year, in one of his press conferences after the game, he cried. Detroit had probably been very close to winning about six or seven games in a row, and they always ended up on the wrong side, whether it was a fumble, whether it was a missed field goal, whether, you know, somebody drove on them. And to see a grown man just, you know, be so emotionally and truly and genuinely and authentically entrenched in his team's success because he was saying, you know, it was just killing them seeing how hard these guys work in practice and for them to keep coming up on the short end of the stick so I knew that he was going to do well in Detroit because he's a player's coach and the only pushback which I did not have a problem with at all is Dan Campbell religiously and this is what I'm talking about let's be honest now on one end of the spectrum Baltimore got out of character they panicked. They did not stick to the identity and the type of game that they play when they got down to Kansas City. For on the flip side to Detroit, you know, we can't bash Dan Campbell. Detroit went for it on fourth down more than any team in the NFL this year. They were successful on a lot of occasions. And you have to live and die by your same sort. I would feel more bad if I was a Detroit fan or a player in that locker room if we weren't going for it on fourth down and we lose that game. Because now all of a sudden we question ourselves and say, man, you know, why didn't we just stick to our identity? Why didn't we just do the things that got us here to this point? So there were two 
key fourth downs in that game, Vinny, and where Detroit could have kicked a field goal, but their head coach and offensive coordinator decided to go for it, and they came up short on both of those opportunities. And if they were able to convert a field goal on one of those opportunities, it's very likely that that game would have went to overtime because the uh, Detroit ended up losing by three. And then there was also another occasion which brought a lot of question marks, but it was Dan Campbell. Maybe around week 14 or 15, Detroit was playing at Dallas. Detroit had an opportunity to tie the game up or go for a two-point conversion to win the game, which they were trying to do because they wanted to have the number two overall seed in the NFC playoffs. So I don't know if you remember this one. It was a lot of controversy because Detroit on the first opportunity actually converted the two-point conversion. The problem was the referees called the playback because they said that the Lions did not report an extra lineman eligible. And so when the play was called back, Detroit, instead of being on the three-yard line, was now basically on the 10-yard line. And they could have kicked an extra point and, and looked to take the game to overtime against Dallas. But instead, Dan Campbell went for a two-point conversion again from the 10-yard line, and they didn't get it. And so uh, he's a guy who definitely high risk, high reward. But I like his aggression. And I think his locker room and the team is all on one accord. And so I think that's how it is sometimes in life that, you know, you understand that, yeah, you, you want to be smart you want to be wise I, i'm pretty sure when him you know he went back because he cares so much about his player i'm pretty sure he probably would have liked to if he could have done it all over again maybe take one field goal but at the same time i'm pretty sure some of the players on the field probably felt like maybe if they would have executed that they could have converted one of those as well so you know that was something that was real interesting that came out of that game between uh, san francisco and detroit Absolutely, and that was definitely one hell of a great game. Very exciting to watch. At one point, I actually thought Detroit was going to win it. It looked like they were actually going to go to the Super Bowl, but then the 49ers, they found a way to come back and win the game, which is exciting because uh, obviously I know you're a 49ers fan, and my mother is a huge 49ers fan, so we're obviously going to be cheering for them in the Super Bowl. And as a casual fan, I knew this game was a big deal. When I saw Eminem on the screen, uh, promoting the game. Oh yeah. And I'm not trying to say anything bad here. It's just that in all the years that I've seen Eminem do interviews or seen Eminem do concerts, I've never seen him talk about or wear anything Detroit Lions ever. So either he was a secret fan who kept it on the down low or the Lions paid him a lot of money to hype up and get the fans excited. Or maybe it's both. Either way, I'm cool with it. It was great to see him there. It was just also kind of odd because I've never known Eminem to be a diehard football fan. And of course, speaking of celebrities, another major celebrity thing that's been happening this year is uh, with Taylor Swift. And I know last time you were here, we talked a little bit about uh, Taylor Swift showing up on camera and them constantly cutting to her every time Kelsey scores a touchdown and obviously we were you know we were cracking jokes and we were laughing about it but in all seriousness we didn't really care it didn't really bother us that Taylor Swift was at the games but lately there's been a lot of hatred from football fans about Taylor Swift constantly being on the TV and getting all this publicity and I was just curious um, now that we're almost to the Super Bowl with everything that's gone down since the last time you were here do you feel that Taylor Swift 
constantly being shown on the screen on the TV. Do you feel that it takes away from the game at all? Yeah, I mean, I think the mixed reviews are probably warranted and justified. I mean, it's kind of one of those things where you hear people say, if I'm watching a sports show, I don't want to hear about politics. You know what I mean? So I think from that standpoint, NFL fans, which I mean, at this point, at now, you're just waiting to see it. It's just probably don't let it be overbearing, right? So every time that Travis Kelsey makes a catch, we don't want to see Taylor Swift. That's kind of what it's boiling to now. Obviously, he's a celebrity for the NFL. It's good for media. It's good for press. It's good for views, you know, right? I mean, you got to look at the NFL as a business. So on our social media pages, on our Kansas City Chiefs pages, the NFL's biggest room for growth is through women and children. So if they can utilize Taylor Swift to their advantage, they're going to do it, right? This is about business, right? This is because Travis Kelsey had a girlfriend before her. A lot of these NFL players have wives and girlfriends in the stands, but they're not celebrities. So they're not showing them. So the whole thing is just look. The whole big hoopla is that there is a star, the magnitude of Taylor Swift, who happens to be involved with one of the best players in the NFL. And so there, the NFL is just taking advantage of what they see as an opportunity. I mean, let's face it, if across the country, if there's 30,000 women who have no interest in football, but they're going to tune into the game today because they know that they'll get an opportunity to see Taylor Swift, the NFL's all for it. But for the hardcore fan who is just interested in seeing the football game, if there is an oversaturation of Taylor Swift. That's where the problem is coming in because Travis Kelsey is a very, very productive player. So, for example, in the AFC Championship game, he had 11 catches. Okay, if we're going to Taylor Swift after every one of his catches, that's too much for some people. Why do I have to see her 11 times, you know, during the football game? So, that's really the only pushback that you hear from hardcore fans or, like I said, fans who just want to see the game because, you know, over the years, there's been some controversial topics that may be indirectly related to sports. And you'll hear a lot of sports fans saying that, hey, look, I tuned into the show today. I'm watching the show on television. I'm listening to the podcast. I don't want to hear about politics. You know, I deal with that stuff enough in my day-to-day life. If I want to hear politics, I'll watch CNN. I'll go to CNBC. I'll go to my local station. I'm coming over here to get a break from that and watch sports. So that's really the big pushback that you're hearing, Vinny, is she is oversaturated. So to me, and I think anybody else in my affair, because like I said, for me, I just laugh. At this point now, I'm expecting (laughs) to see her after his catches, especially if he scores a touchdown. Like, that is a guarantee. So it's become comical to me. It's not something that I hate her or, you know, I'm so mad at the NFL or whatever. But I can certainly understand, like I said, that if I am a true football fan, I don't want to see Taylor Swift or any other players, you know what I'm saying, wipe that many times in one game. And then also the oversaturation can come in when on some of these podcasts or some of these more notable shows that are heaviest in rotation with the biggest viewership when her name is also being brought up as well. You know, are the Chiefs, you know, the Chiefs record is this when Taylor Swift is at a game and the Chiefs record is, and it's just like, come on, that, you know, that, that. So I think when she gets over, 
oversaturated or when she is brought up too much or irrelevantly uh, according to what the topic is, that's where the problems are coming in. But on the flip side, uh, you can certainly understand the NFL being a business and looking to capitalize on the situation because it's not too often that you do have a player dating someone as notable as her, right? I mean, we do know there are a lot of players that probably are dating other women that are, you know, successful in respective walk of life, but it's not too common that you get a celebrity and a star, the status of Taylor Swift dating an NFL player. So the NFL is really just looking to capitalize on it. Absolutely. And I am so glad you just said that because I've been explaining that to people for like weeks now because almost everyone on the internet around social media, and I know this because you were because you were talking about politics earlier, everybody was trying to make all this Taylor Swift hate out to be some kind of anti-feminist, anti-woman, you know, silencing women issue. And I'm like, it's not even close to that. These are just NFL fans who are sick of seeing Taylor Swift on their TV every 30 seconds. Okay. NFL teams don't hate women. They're just annoyed by Taylor Swift. And like you, I also find it funny and it doesn't really bother me at all. I just find it kind of interesting. And I do agree, though, to an extent that it has gotten a little crazy because I remember in uh, in, the, in one of the last games, uh, Pacheco scored a touchdown and they cut to Taylor Swift and I was like, why is she on the TV? She's not even dating him. So I can see other instances where the NFL is definitely trying to get as much of Taylor Swift on the screen as possible. But like I said, I I'm not bothered by it either. And I know that you're pressed for time, but there is one quick thing I wanted to talk to you about real quick before we wrap the show up. Sure. You mentioned something about Michael Bidwell, and it says here, miserable to people, former Cardinals employees describe life under owner Michael Bidwell. And on Twitter, you said in all caps, please make sure this gets exposure and attention. So I was just wondering, what is it about Michael Bidwell and this article that you want uh, fans to be aware of? Yeah, so unfortunately, and not just the NFL, we have a bad culture of people who are in management, ownership, uh, supervision positions who make a lot of money. And obviously, if you're the owner or general manager, you know, you're in a position of power. So you're in a position that's supposed to be one of leadership, right? Man, Vinny, society has changed so much and it's continuing to change so much in some of the things that common courtesy, respect, being professional, being ethical, proper communication, things of that nature, customer service, you know, it's going down the drain. You know, I mean, it used to be once upon a time, just to kind of give a, a real base level example, once upon a time when you go to McDonald's or Burger King or Wendy's, you didn't have to ask for napkins in your bag. You didn't have to ask for ketchup in your bag. You didn't have to worry about what you ordered, something being missing. You didn't have to worry about your food being hot. Those things right now, <laughs> you definitely want to check or you're going to end up at home with something missing. You're not going to have. So it's just a common courtesy. And that is in line with that comment that you've seen from me and that post and stuff. It's in line with the bad culture that we've seen from professional sports teams, owners, and people in those management positions. Whether it was, let's start with Robert Kraft of the New England Patriots. Robert Kraft got caught up in a prostitution type rape scandal. 
Okay. Apparently, uh, uh, well, let me. I'm saying apparently because I don't know if it was the if it was federal agents, if it was the FBI, if it was the police, local, whoever it was. They had been staking out and watching a local massage type parlor for a long period of time. Robert Kraft, the owner of the New England Patriots ends up getting arrested or at least apprehended and is involved in this massage parlor. That when it got further looked into, the women, for the sake of uh, trying to be perfect, and again, I am prefacing my comments because, Vinny, you know more than anything uh, what I'm all about and the main reason that my viewership and fan base and my customers and people who have memberships and people who are uh, devout followers and of my show and of my movement, uh, I'm a guy that's fact-based. So these comments that I'm making, uh, please don't hold, you know, my feet to the fire in terms of being precise and exact on every single thing I'm saying. With that being said, Robert Kraft was involved in a situation. This massage parlor, okay, and let's be honest, right? That's the one thing I, why I really enjoy coming onto your show because we can, right? We're, we're not on, you know, some huge media outlet to where, you know, if I say something, it's going to cut to a commercial break or we got to be so politically correct or we can't speak the raw, you know, raw facts and truth. We know that a lot of massage parlors are also sex places, right? You go in there, you pay for it, and outside of the massage, even though it's not being promoted that way, right? You can't that way because it's going to be seen as prostitution or escorting or whatever. But we know that there are a lot of massage parlors that when you go to them, if you'd like some extracurricular activities outside of being massaged, that's available. Now, the problem with this place was uh, apparently there were underage girls and also women who we know, Vinny, uh, that sex trafficking, that kidnapping, that sex workers, okay, is something that's real and trending and it is a real issue. Now, not only here in the U.S., because a lot of times the girls are being transported from the U.S. to other countries and then vice versa. Girls are being transported from other countries here to the U.S. Robert Kraft is able to pay to have evidence withheld from court and basically the situation ends up getting swept underneath the rug. We can move on to the Buffalo Bills, one of their front office people. His name is Terry Pagula, a colleague of mine named Jim Trotter. Uh, he had to cease his NFL work for a long time. Uh, I think it's still pending because he was working for NFL Network. And word got back to him that this person in the Bills front office, Terry Pagula, was making racist comments about players. Once Jim, you know, started to report on it and so on and so forth, well, guess what? Exactly how many you talked about, NFL Network decided to part ways with him, okay? Uh, we can move on to the former owner of the Carolina Panthers. This was within the last year, okay? He's having to step down from his ownership position because he is, and this is what you see most commonly, racist comments, inappropriate behavior, whether it's making sexual comments, whether it's making sexual advances, whether it is making racist comments, whether it's bullying, whether it's intimidating, you know, whether it is, it's just like I said, it's inappropriate. We can move right on along to Daniel Schneider, former owner of the Washington Commanders. You've heard endless stories of the same thing, bullying, you know, intimidating people, making sexual references, making racist comments, you know, not handling things the proper in the right way. Let's go ahead and move on over to Robert, uh, I forget his last name, former owner of the Phoenix Suns. 
had the same type of issues happening. Talk to employees, word ended up getting around, what's going on? He's creating a unhealthy work environment, right? We, As a worker, you're supposed to have a right. Like me and you, Vinny, we go to a job, and if we feel that it is, I can't, the, 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 the most known terminology is escaping me right now, but basically, it's not an unhealthy work environment, but basically, if I'm working at a place where I'm uncomfortable, okay, because people are making racist comments, um, I'm not being treated fairly. I'm not being paid fairly. The, you know, I'm being bullied. The, the owner or management is talking to me any type of way, especially if I'm a woman. Somebody's making sexual comments, sexual harassment, all of these things. So this is a big thing now, right? So I'm naming the owner from the Patriots, the owner from the Panthers, the owner from uh, or general manager from the Bills, the commanders. Now you're hearing about that was this Michael Bidwell character from the Arizona Cardinals, the uh, from the Phoenix Suns. You've heard similar uh, sentiments coming out from the New York Jets and there, I believe he's still the owner, Woody Johnson. You've heard about a bad culture over there. You've heard about the racist type comments to come from, uh, I don't know if he's still the owner, but at one point in time, the Houston Texans owner, Bob Johnson, I know that there was a lot of pushback when Jerry Jones, when the whole Colin Kaepernick thing was going on and what people are really looking for people to see because this is what happens a lot. It really has been going on since the beginning of time, at least when it comes to black people. Now, on one end of the spectrum, we don't want to deal with you. We don't want to be bothered with you. We don't like you. We're racist towards you. We're prejudiced towards you. You know, we got all these unethical and unfair things set up for you based on the stereotype that you're animalistic and you don't have an education and you're poor and you're wild and all these other things, okay? But if I'm able to make money off you, oh, I'll be your friend all day. I'm, I'm At that point, I'm more than happy to, you know, be around you and, you know, because I'm capitalizing off, okay? And so what people are looking to hear, especially people of color, okay, is, look, Jerry Jones, uh, you may have not supported Colin Kaepernick. You may have not supported what he was saying or what was going on, but we did not ever hear you say, I'm not a racist or I'm not that way or, you know, it's not a strong enough communication. So people take the outlook that, you know what? Yeah, he may have not said something, but he damn sure didn't say anything. And so we've got this culture now, including, I don't know if you've seen that one. I believe he was relieved of his duties, but at the Jacksonville Jaguars and Carolina Panthers game, within the last month of the season, there was, and see, that's today's social media age. Everybody's recording everything. Carolina was losing badly at a game at Jacksonville. One of the management people, uh, whether I don't know if he was a GM, the owner, what he was, but he was somebody in management or an owner for the Carolina Panthers. And a fan was talking junk to him to his local press box. So, you know, how you see with these press boxes and these luxury boxes, a lot of them have the ability to open their windows up to where they can actually, you know what I'm saying, hear the game, fresh air can come in that thing, or I can close it off to where I'm just inside and you can see me through the window. He had his window open. Fan, normally, I mean, that, that duh, that's what they're fans for. They're talking junk to him and he throws a beer on the fan. You know what I'm saying? So my comments about Michael Bidwell were in line with the horrible, you know? Now, I'm a realist. So like I said, this stuff 
has been going on for the longest of time. You know, unfortunately, a lot, not all, a lot of people who are wealthy, who have a lot of money, who are rich, which allows for them to be in certain places and do certain things that the average person can't. And when I say average, not me or you as a person, we're talking about, though, you know, if we rolled out 10 random people, you know, maybe one or two of them may have enough money to be able, because we know, Vinny, what comes along with money is privilege, right? I mean, that's the whole thing to why our society as a whole, right, globally, has gotten to the point of where we are is because there's been so many times where somebody has done something that is wrong, but because they have the money, they don't get properly punished. And, and, and it really set a bad precedent because to me, if people, regardless of who you are, if people were truly held accountable and responsible and received the same repercussions and consequences that, like I said, you know, the average person would, then you would see these problems on a way lesser scale. But that is why most people who are constantly doing bad things are doing them in the first place because I'm so accustomed and used to getting away with it. And then when I get in trouble, I end up just getting a slap on the wrist. I don't suffer no real, because let's think about it. For anybody who's got a ton of money, yeah, well, okay, yeah, here. $2 million fine, and then it's going away, you know? So that is my thing. I'm always someone who is just trying to enlighten people and make sure that people are aware of what's going on around them. And, and that was the latest. You know, like I said, you got the Jets, the Texans, the Cowboys, the Commanders, you know, the Panthers, the Phoenix Suns organization, the Jets organization, the Buffalo Bills. I mean, damn, the Cardinals. I mean, you got, you know, we, we this, you know, this is, this is a large number of professional teams. And like I said, it's really unfortunate because these are the quote unquote leaders, right? I mean, you suppose we did the people in the owner, the people in management, the people in supervised, those are the people who are supposed to be setting the precedents and being an example, and that's why it's so problematic because when you read the reports, when you read the articles, when you talk to people on the inside, when you talk to the employees at these organizations, they're telling you that the culture of the workplace is so horrible because the people at the top are the ones who are setting that type of example and allowing, not just allowing, they're participating in these things going on, you know? Absolutely, and I couldn't agree more. In fact, I think money privilege is the best way to describe it because I think the people who really have privilege are the people who have money. And the word you were looking for earlier, I believe, was toxic for work environment, but I didn't want to interrupt you. Thank you. And you know what? That, that, and, you, and you brought it, you know, not only t toxic, you know what it has been, you're exactly right, toxic, it's hostile. That's what it is. Hostile, where right now, if me and you were working a job, and those type things were going on, that is what we would go to a lawyer or attorney or whatever. I'm in a hostile workplace. Yes, absolutely. And I think we can both agree this is not a hostile work environment. And I do want to thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to uh, join me here on the show. I know you've been busy, so have I. And I definitely look forward to uh, the Super Bowl this Sunday. But real quick, uh, tell us, where can people find you on social media? Yes, so uh, please make sure to visit uh, my website, which is www www.nflexporter.com uh, that's spelled n-f-l-e-x-p-o-r-t-e-r.com if you go to that website i've made it real easy for you you can simply when you go to the website right across the top of the page it has the uh logo or icon for facebook instagram and twitter 
Uh, you can simply click on those icons and it'll take you directly to my pages for you to uh, follow or send a, a friend request on Facebook. Uh, Facebook is facebook.com forward slash NFL exporter. Twitter, the handle is at NFL exporter. So again, the spelling for both of those is N-F-L-E-X-P-O-R-T-E-R. And then on Instagram, the handle is a little bit different. It's at U-F-C-A-T-L, which stands for Ultimate Football Club ATL. This year, we see some our activities with events and things of that nature, pretty much for the same is that I kind of just got through sharing with Benny that I am somebody that, uh, look, I'm not perfect, but when it comes to business, I, I am going to be professional and uh, be able to, to communicate and handle things in a professional manner out of respect for everyone that's involved. And so this upcoming season, we're looking forward to having a new home or some new homes to continue with our live events. Uh, but we're really taking off in terms of, uh, you know, across the U.S., gambling or betting is becoming more legal. And so we're expanding our services, not only for for NFL and fantasy football, but also now giving advice, expert uh, advice and analysts for NBA basketball, college basketball, NFL football, college football, hockey, and Major League Baseball. So if you are someone who is into, you know, betting or gambling scene, you definitely want to give me a follow and latch on to the uh, movement because the same type of uh, work and dedication that goes into uh, supplying and helping so many NFL fans and fantasy football owners win their championships and their prop bets and so on and so forth during the season. I'll be more than happy to uh, help you with other sports as well. And then also, Vinny, uh, thank you very much for having me onto the show. And uh, I'll be looking forward to uh, lining one up with you and uh, doing one more uh, last closeout show uh, for the season after the Super Bowl is over. So you can definitely rest assured to your fans that we'll be getting back together here soon enough. Absolutely, man. Thanks, thanks again for coming on, and I'll talk to you after the Super Bowl. Okay. Sounds good, Vinny. Thank you. Everybody enjoy. All right. And make sure you guys follow the Boochcast. We are on Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and iHeartRadio. Pick your favorite hosting site and follow us there, or be a super fan and follow us on all four hosting sites. Also, like us on Facebook. Go to facebook.com slash theboochcast. We have archived episodes of the show as well as great content. Make sure you check out the male soap opera moment, see our predictions for the Royal Rumble, and be on the lookout for our Royal Rumble recap coming soon to the Boochcast Facebook page. Also, make sure you follow us on Twitter and Instagram at the Boochcast. Get the latest tweets, photos, and videos. Visit our YouTube channel. Check out all of our YouTube content and be sure to hit the subscribe button and ring that bell to be notified when future content will be posted. We've got our Dark Side of the Ring reviews coming out from Season 4. Uh, we have Doink the Clown coming out this coming Thursday at 2 p.m. You can also check out the Graham Family Dynasty, Magnum TA, and Chris and Tammy have already dropped. And we've got a bunch coming soon. I'm actually in the process of editing the Bash at the Beach video right now just to give you an idea of what's already scheduled and ready to go and coming out very soon. We also have Dark Side of the 2000s that will be dropping very soon. And we also are going to be working on the Dark Side of Comedy reviews. I've got two already recorded. I've got a bunch more I need to do. Just got to find some comedians. And hopefully, Lance... We'll be able to do a dark side of football with me, uh, hopefully during the off season. At some point down the road, we can get together and make those videos and put those on the YouTube channel for you as well. So make sure you go there, subscribe now, check out the content that's already there, and ring that bell so you'll be able to see the new ones that drop. 
Also, make sure you follow us on Twitch. Go to twitch.tv slash theboochcast. That's where we do our live wrestling watch parties. Our next watch party will be Saturday, April 6th and Sunday, April 7th for nights 1 and 2 of WrestleMania 40. That's right. Make sure you join us for the 40th anniversary of the biggest wrestling show of the year as we will be live streaming both nights on Twitch to see all the crazy shenanigans that are going down, especially with all the controversy surrounding the current Road to WrestleMania. Also, we have our live D&D show coming soon, our Boochcast booking battle, and another special project in the works. And of course, you can support the Boochcast by going to podcasters.spotify.com slash pod slash show slash the Boochcast slash support. Become a supporter of the Boochcast. Support this podcast with a small monthly donation to help sustain future episodes we have three levels you can donate at pick the one that works the best within your budget we have our first level which is 99 cents one dollar per month we have our second level which is 4.99 five dollars per month and we have our third level which is for a mere 9.99 ten dollars per month you have the option of paying with a credit card or with GPay. And the best part is all the money we raise goes back into the show in some capacity. We used to upgrade our equipment. We used to bring in bigger name guests, pay the bills, and take care of all the guys who work very hard on the air and off the air to make the Boochcast a success. So if you got a favorite co-host and believes it'll be paid for their hard work, podcasters.spotify.com slash pod slash show slash the Boochcast slash support is how you make that happen. And until next time, this is Vinny Bucci, a.k.a. The Booch, saying keep on living life and take care. This has been The Boochcast. We'll talk to you guys next time. Until then, pizza, baby. Well, I see by the clock on a wall that it's time to bid you one and all. Goodbye. Goodbye. So long. So long. Farewell. Farewell. Adieu. Adieu. Be good. Stay well. Bye-bye. Keep warm. Relax. And eat. Take care. Stay loose. Adieu, mon vieux. A la prochaine. Goodbye till when we meet again.